Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer. And today's guest is best-selling, award-winning novelist, Robin Lee Hatcher. Now, one of my favorite things about this Walk It Out podcast is introducing all of you to my awesome friends. So today's guest is someone who is really dear to me. Robin is one of the most genuine, tender-hearted people that I know. As you'll discover in this interview, Robin and I have been part of the same writer's sisterhood group for I think about 15 years. I'm not sure exactly, but it has been a while and we just have grown closer and closer every year. One of the greatest joys is getting together with these women. Yes, we all write fiction and we enjoy helping each other plot and support each other. But more importantly, we have loved and prayed for and cared for each other through the years. In our group, whenever someone shares a painful story, I have to say Robin is the first to have tears that are just welling up in her eyes. When someone shares a great joy, she is the first to laugh and jump for joy. I always know that if I have something important to share from my heart, Robin will be tuned in and attentive, and I love having friends like that. For my friendship with Robin, I've discovered a deep compassion comes from two things. So first, the compassion comes from Robin's time with God, which she'll be talking about today in the podcast. Second, it comes from walking through the bumpy roads, which she'll also be talking about, roads filled with pain and heartache in her own life. And in this interview, Robin will share about a difficult decision she had to make concerning her marriage and the work that God did through her in her obedience to him. Like Robin, God's word has greatly impacted my life. God's word has changed me. God's word has directed me. God's word has healed me. Robin shares about how God allowed her to redeem some of her older novels and bring God's light and truth within their pages. And as you listen to this interview, my desire is for you to pray and ask God for the ways that maybe he wants to redeem your past, maybe parts of your past that you don't want to go back and look at, but God has a big plan for that and how he can redeem it. For me, God redeemed my past mistakes through my teen pregnancies by allowing me to start a crisis pregnancy center and mentor teen moms, which I still do to this day. God redeemed my wrong choices concerning young men and wrong relationships that I had with them, and he gave me a godly husband that I've been married to for 28 years. God redeemed my desire to live a comfortable, easy life by continually stretching me and taking me out of my comfort zone. Now, I write about all these topics in my book, Walk It Out, and if you haven't read it, I really would love if you would get it. You get copies at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Christian Book Distributors. My life was forever changed when I read God's Word and decided to walk it out, started to live it out. And as you listen to this interview, you'll discover that Robin's life was also forever changed in the same way. Now, here's my interview with Robin. 
Well, I am so glad to introduce one of my sweet friends um, to all of my listeners today. And today's guest is Robin Lee Hatcher. Um, And I am blessed to be able to see her every year at a special retreat. And we'll probably talk about that today too. But um, Robin, will you just start by introducing yourself to my listeners? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, Like you said, my name is Robin Lee Hatcher, and I am the author of... Uh, 79 books that I've finished. You have to, that, you have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> my 79th comes out in, in December and I'm working on my 80th. And um, I've been writing since 1981 was when I first put pen to paper. And yes, it was pen to paper. And um, I was first published in 1984. I wrote in the general mass market. I did 30 books there and then Christ really did a work in my heart to draw me into writing for him. And that was my first published book for the Christian market was in 1999. Oh, yeah, I love that so much. And you were able to, weren't you able to redeem some of those books, as you call it, to kind of update and change some of the books that you'd written previously? Yes, I, I have. I, I can't give you the number off the top of my head, but probably of those 30 books, I probably have redeemed 10 or 12 of them. I guess I should go back and and count those and see what I have done. But um, I didn't want to go all the way back to the very beginning because my first books were a little bit rough. I was with a very small publisher and they didn't edit me. And so all of my mistakes are in print or were in print. Hopefully there's not too many copies left (laughs) around. (laughs) Do you ever have someone that finds like a copy somewhere? Oh, yes, I do. I, I, I have readers who tell me that they believe that they could um, tell that I, my journey towards the Lord and so forth, even in those older books. Um, so, and some are fans, irregardless, but uh, I prefer not to have them read the older ones. Actually, three of those books that I redeemed Unfortunately, we didn't have the wisdom, me and my publisher, to change the titles. And those books sometimes, and they did have love scenes. They were mild love scenes, but they are love scenes in them. And um, then my salvation comes into question, and I have to (laughs) explain to readers that um, I'm really sorry this happened to them. You can only find those books used. And I understand what happens is they find them at a garage sale or they find them for two cents on Amazon. And so thinking that it's the the redeemed copy, they, they buy the older one. And um, everyone who's ever written to me has been very gracious when I explain this is part of my testimony, actually, of where God brought me from. But I always am concerned about those people who never wrote and just say, I'll never read another Robin Lee Hatcher book. That that hurts just a little bit that I have no control of that. Um, but after that, we did start changing the titles so that I can just simply say, don't read any book that was published before 1999. Right. No, so tell us about your journey. And I love, first of all, that you were able to redeem some of those stories. Because, I mean, I think back, like the people that knew me in high school, like, you know, there's I got in fist fights, I cussed all the time, like, I'm almost like, oh, my goodness, because people know. And, you know, I didn't have books in print during the time. But, you know, the before and the after is drastically different. So tell us just that transformation that happened in your life. 
Well, unfortunately, I have a little bit of a bump in mine because I was uh, saved in 1976. I walked very closely with the Lord for a long time, and then life situations happened, and um, I found myself drifting. I never denied Christ. I knew I was a Christian, but I wasn't reading my Bible, and I wasn't attending church, and um, the evidence of that drifting was definitely there in my life, and it certainly showed up in my writing, because as I got pressured by publishers to include more and more in the general market of of what they wanted, including love scenes, which weren't in my first, very first books, I caved to the pressure. And that was because I did not have the the strength to stand up because I was not uh, holding on to the Lord real tight. Um, he worked an amazing, slow redemption story in my life through other writers, other Christian writers, um, and and slowly bringing me back to church, slowly bringing me back to a place of depending on Him, and then putting the call on my life to give up my old career entirely and start over in the Christian market. Um, so that pathway began probably in about 1992 when I met Francine Rivers, um, probably a little bit actually before that, but that that is a very pivotal moment when we spent hours together in, in California at a conference. And that planted the uh, reading, redeeming love and meeting Francine planted that desire in my heart to write for God, but I didn't see myself as worthy. I didn't see how he could use me because at that point I thought, well, I've destroyed my testimony. God can never use me again. Um, that's a lie of the devil. If he's whispering that to you, don't believe it for a moment. God is in the business of redemption, and that includes people who already know him and then fall flat on their face. He can redeem you out of any situation, and he certainly did me. Uh, so in 1997 was when I knew that he was calling me specifically to start writing Christian fiction. And um, I haven't looked back since. And I love that. And it must be hard. I mean, you were already established and here you are. It's, I mean, it's a completely different market, different editors. Was that, I mean, it was a step of faith, but was that a scary time for you? It was scary. Um, when I, I knew that I couldn't just write Christian books for it just to be another place to sell books. I knew that it had to be a call on my life. So even though I already had editors who knew me interested in me writing for them in the Christian market, I did not feel free to write until I knew absolutely without any doubt whatsoever. And sometimes you can just see an open door and, and trust that that's something that God has opened for you. And sometimes you need that almost audible voice. I told God one time that summer, if you're speaking to me, I'm not hearing, please hit me with a two by four. <laughs> and in the fall, that's just exactly what he did. It was it was at church. We were just sitting there. A couple of missionaries from Sri Lanka were talking at the church. And suddenly God just started speaking to my heart. In fact, I was holding my husband's hand and squeezing it so hard that he thought I was going to break his fingers. And of course, he had no idea what was going on inside of me, but I knew that that God was speaking. So when I got home from church, I, I contacted my agent and I said, 
go ahead and accept the offer from the publisher who had made it. And so she did. And by the end of that week, we had the, the deal all worked out. And that night, after I had said, okay, th this is it, um, I woke up in a panic attack. Um, I, I relate it to buyer's remorse. If you've ever bought a car or a house, and then all of a sudden you go, what did I do? We've done that. <laughs> you know, did, do we really have the money? It's scary, whatever. That was that was that way I was feeling. It was about two o'clock in the morning and I got up and I went into my office and I was too panicked to even pray. I mean, my, my brain just would not stop churning. And so I opened my Bible and I just so happened, and please see that with quotation marks around it because that's <laughs> exactly how I see it, to be reading in, in the book of Isaiah. And, um, I believe it's Isaiah 43, 16. Let's see if I'm remembering correctly. Um, no, it must be 42, 16. And it says, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. And um, this book that I had sold was going to be my first Christian book, my first contemporary story, and my first non-romance. So I'd never written any of those things before, and I had said yes to a deal based on a phone conversation and a dream that I had had that would become the opening of the book. And that's all I knew about it. And when I got to that verse, I'd been reading for about 10 or 15 minutes when I got to that verse. And right away, I knew that God was saying, doesn't matter if you don't know where this is going. Doesn't matter if you've never done these things before. I know, and I'm going to make those rugged places into plains. And he did. I wrote The Forgiving Hour, which was my first novel for the Christian market, in about three months, which is probably the fastest I've ever written of a whole novel. And I have always believed with my whole heart that The Forgiving Hour is God's book. And I didn't have anything to do with it except for sitting down and moving my fingers. I feel that strongly about that, that this is his his story. Yeah, it's such a powerful story. I and mean, that was the first novel I ever read of yours. And I'm like, who is this? <laughs> Where's her next book? I mean, I, I mean, I can still remember the story you know, so clearly. And it's, it's a beautiful story of redemption. I remember as I started reading, I'm like, where is this going to go? How are we going to get out of this? And um, I just love how you brought it together. And, and it's a story of redemption and the forgiving hour. I mean, it just it seems so perfect that that was the first book that God gave you to write for the Christian market. Yes, it was. Uh, it's really been a, a a blessing for me, and and a portion of the book, uh, and quite a few of the lessons included in the book, actually came from my own life from twenty five years earlier. It wasn't like they were very recent, but they were very clear and very memorable, and um, so it felt very personal in that regard. Um, but like I said, it really is. God's story. I, it just was a miracle to me what what he did and the doors that he opened for me to be able to minister to women. The story has a lot to do with infidelity um, and and the pain that it causes everyone that it 
touches. And um, through the years, I have had um, the the opportunity to pray for women whose husbands have been unfaithful, and even for the women who have been the other woman. And um, and God wants to redeem all those situations. He wants to restore the years the locust has eaten. I want to go back and read it again now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it, because I just remember loving that book so much when I read it, and just the powerful message, and that how God you know, used the hard places in your story and the beautiful places. And I, I find that in so many of the books that you write. But I didn't know that Francine was part of um, you know, you're returning to the Christian market, which is so fun because we um, meet every year. And there's a group of us that meet um, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and we have a play, pray. What is it? Play, pray. There's another P word. Plot, play, and pray. Plot. Oh, the plotting, which is like the writer <laughs> word. <laughs> I guess we should remember the plotting yeah. part. We help plot each other's books, but you know the play and the play, play and the pray is uh, really the uh, just and our prayer times are so powerful. We've prayed each other through so many things, but I look forward to it so much because even though there's eleven other women, it is so calm and relaxing. And I was going to tell you, Robin. So right now I'm sitting in my little kid's bedroom because it's the only room in the house without people in it, and there are 21 people in my house right now. <laughs> So there's kids and their friends are over and there's tutors over. And uh, my son came over. He doesn't live here anymore, but he came with his friend and they have the baby and we have a new puppy and we have all these people. So really our retreat is like my, okay, there's only big people here that I can talk to and, and pray with. But it, it's such a, a beautiful time when we get together. It really is. Um, I was sharing with you guys before when the invitation came in 2003 um, for me to go to Brandolin's house up in northern Idaho, um, I almost said no because I didn't really know anybody. I had met Brandolin once, and even though I'm a a 10 on the extrovert scale, there's nothing remotely introverted about me it still is a bit intimidating to think of going and spending five days and four nights with a bunch of people that you don't know at all. And I almost said no, and something inside of me just pushed me um, to attend. And now we are about to have our 16th retreat, and uh, the group has changed. We've um, You joined us the second year, and um, Karen the next year, and Francine Rivers a couple of years probably after that. Um, but otherwise, we have been um, the same group of women. And, and it's, although I desperately need the brainstorming sessions that we have every year. <laughs> the plot part of it. <laughs> yeah, the plot part of it. I don't go for that. It's the one, it's the one conference, it's the one trip that I will not miss any year because this group has become, um, it's, it's my small group. And as I've referred to you women before, you're my touchstones. I know that I can come to you to pray me through anything and love me through anything. And I know everyone else there feels the same. And um, so it's God did a mighty work out of Brandolin just being obedient and saying, okay, I'm going to 
invite these people in the general area. Now several of you have moved further away, and so um, there's a lot more travel for people yeah, than there used to be. fly across the country, yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, the plotting you know, and the fellowship, I think, was kind of the center focus when it started. And when Brendalyn contacted me, I don't even know if I'd ever met any of you, like in person, maybe Sharon uh, before, but I'm trying to think. I don't, so I think I, it took me like a couple months to answer her too, because I'm like, I don't know. And I had kids and all this, you know, do I have time? And I'm so thankful I said yes now. But the thing about it is, as you walk through life with people, you said 16 years is how long we've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Um we have faced so much stuff. There's been deaths in the family. There's been marriage struggles. There's been wayward children that we've just prayed each other through. I mean, there's been health issues. Um, and to have these women that you know that will love you and support you. And um, even recently when my grandma was going through so much struggles, um, one of our ladies, Sunny, set up a GoFundMe to help me get money to bring in a caretaker until the benefits could kick in. And I'm like, this is real life with real people that, I mean, I just love these women to pieces and just the support. I, it, it is my small group too. You know, it's hard to, I was telling someone yesterday, it's hard to go to a small group when I have seven kids at home. <laughs> it's not like I could leave them and to do this, but um, we touch base online throughout the year and just that time together is so powerful. And I know that this group was really there when you went through a really hard um, struggle in your marriage too. Right. Um, my my husband um, is a recovering alcoholic, and uh, for much of our marriage, he was uh, not in recovery. And eventually, that uh, the marriage did crumble under under the weight of alcoholism, and we were um, separated, still hoping for reconciliation, and then divorced. And we were. Um, divorced for five years. And I had always known that um, a moment when I felt like God had promised me that he was going to uh, restore the marriage, that he was going to save it. And so I was always a little bit confused about how saving a marriage worked with with divorce. (laughs) And then the day came out of nowhere, as far as my human mind is concerned. I was really clueless what God was doing. And the day came when I was journaling and God said to me um, that it would bring him pleasure for Jerry and I to be reunited. And um, about three months later, we were, we were married. And the interesting thing is, is that after I spoke with, with Jerry, I, I was very nervous. And, and what if I heard God wrong? And, oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if, what if? <laughs> and um, I said, well, I'm on my way uh, to the retreat, and I'm going to want to talk to the gals and have everybody pray. And and I really thought at least out of the other 10 women, at least one would say, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember we were si- sitting around the dining room table, and I shared what was on my heart. And it was as if you could feel the Holy Spirit fall in that room. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I, was, I remember the moment too. Like I remember. I, I, it was just, uh, and fear departed from my heart instantly as different people said, 
different things kind of all at the same time. Uh, I do remember one person saying, this is what I've been praying for. And um, bless her heart, because I certainly hadn't been praying for it. Jerry had been going through a lot during that time. Jerry had been, um, you know, I, I realize now, which I couldn't have realized at the time that God needed to get Jerry alone, that as long as he was with me, I was a safe place to fall. And that's the only way I can describe it. And so by having to live on his own, deal with things on his own, um, he had to get with, with God and work his own uh, steps of recovery. And so he had made definite changes in his life that I could that I could see. And we still attended the same church. It wasn't like we uh, never saw each other. In fact, we still, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, we'd still go to movies together in the afternoon because he had no family um, here. My daughters are, are uh, not his daughters. And um, so he had no family in the Boise area at all. And so we would... Um, we would still go and see movies together and, and so forth. But I thought then that we were just friends and um, that wasn't so. And, and God did something really miraculous there too. Like I said, he's in the job of, of redemption. And I love that so much. And I love how God knew the end of the story and you just had to listen. You had to listen, even though it didn't make sense. Like, why am I getting a divorce when you said you're going to save this marriage? But that God, and when the time was right, that you were willing to listen, even though there was all that fear there, all those questions, because you'd been hurt. I mean, it's not easy to go back to places where you've been hurt, but I think that's a beautiful part of the story that um, you were able to go back. And I love, you know, you, you've mentioned, uh, may, I mean, I don't know how many times, three or four times already, as we've been talking times, you've gone to God's word and you're in God's word. And I know that is such an important part of your life. And what I love too is your Bible journaling that you do. And it's so beautiful. And um, you've done journal pages for all of those in our group. And you've, you know, on Facebook often you share your journaling. So what has the Bible meant to you? And how do you want to continue to pass on that legacy of the meaning to your family? Well, I have always been a reader. I should say that first. So I went to first grade to, with one purpose in mind to learn to read because I hadn't been taught to read before that. I know lots of kids' parents teach them younger. I don't know why my mother didn't because she was a reader. <laughs> but I went that first day of school to learn to read. They didn't teach me to read. So I told my mom I wasn't going back. There was no point. <laughs> So I've always been in love with, with uh, reading and with stories. Uh, I've always been a storyteller. They used to call it lying. Now I get paid to do it. <laughs> but um, so it's no surprise to me that rather than using people, God drew me to himself through books. Um, so um, the books that led me to Christ were The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Uh, Woman to Woman by Eugenia Price, and um, oh dear, I just had a, a mental blank. Um, <laughs> okay. We'll come back to it. There. Uh, oh, Prison to Praise by, I can't remember his first name, Carruthers, uh, Prison to Praise. And when I finished Prison to Praise, I put it down. I went and got in the shower and I invited, because it was the only place I could cry at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning 
without disturbing the family and and invited Jesus into my heart. So right from the very beginning, from that moment on, I was reading the Bible. I was I was hungry, and the written word um, became so important. Um, the Living Bible was brand new at the time, um, and it, this is pre the New Living Translation. This was the Living Bible paraphrase, and it was just out in the whole Bible version. And I uh, started in Matthew, and I read all the way through the New Testament. And um, in the years since then, I I soon switched to the New American Standard Version, which is my favorite study Bible. And I have been making it a habit since uh, 1997 to read through the entire Bible in odd number of years and to read the New Testament multiple times, usually three, sometimes four, uh, in even numbered years. So uh, we we starve to death if we're not taking in the Word. That's just a fact. We need the Word planted in our heart. And I'm not as good now as I grow older with remembering exactly the the verse. I oftentimes can remember that it's highlighted in pink or blue or <laughs> and it's on a right-hand page, but I don't s- seem to retain the the exact verse as much, and I don't always retain the exact quotation the way I used to, which I hate because my mother used to call to me from the other room, Robin, what's that verse about? And and then I'd be able to quote it to her exactly, and I, I'm losing that as I grow older. So um, I'm, I'm sorry that that's, that that's true. I, I still know in general, and I know where to go look to find it, but I'm not as good as quoting exactly. And that's what Google's for, too. I'm always like, the verse about the seeds and the farmer, or the verse about, you know, the fig tree or whatever. Yeah. Google, and, Google's and good for that. <laughs> that that's right. Or, or any Bible software is is good for that. You can, you can find it. So um, I've been using this same study Bible now since either 96 or 97, and um, and it is full of dates and comments and and um, it's not a journaling Bible. There are not wide margins, but I have just written all over the place in it. And um, when the binding starts falling apart, I don't think I'll have any option but to pay to have it rebound because the notes are so precious to me when I go through it and I find just like on. On Isaiah 42, 16, in the margin, I've written a prophetic word to me on 11, 197 regarding the writing of the forgiving hour. I was afraid and he calmed my fears. No, oh, I so, love that. So that's in the, in the margin and other places where God has done a work or given me a word, um, I, I have noted it. So I don't think I would want to start entirely over and, um, which sort of leads me into what we were talking about me mentioning is is my book that comes out in December who I am with you that will be the first book in my legacy of faith series and I had just finished my book that came out last December you're going to love me and I had no clue what I was going to be writing and I was sitting down just reading my bible and and all of a sudden I thought to myself when I was just looking at the notes and the highlights, and I thought, what is this Bible going to mean 
to members of my family after I'm gone? Um, is it possible that one of my grandchildren or great-grandchildren, of which I have none at this time, is it possible that somewhere down through the years, one of them will pick up my Bible and look through and just read the notes and find God speaking to them, uh, whether it's to bring them to the Lord or in a, in a time in their life when they need a message. We just don't know what it is that uh, we're going to be leaving behind. And that, that gave birth to this new series idea, which is to take an ancestor's Bible and through the course of the series, have it impact different descendants' life lives um, in the different uh, stories that will be told. And uh, I, I have just really been loving uh, writing these books. I'm working on the second one now. And, um, and it's, it's just wonderful to think that it's possible. And now my oldest granddaughter has already laid claim to one of my <laughs> um, art journaling Bibles. Um, she says, Grandma, I want that one to be mine, which just uh, fills my heart with joy. I'm hoping um, that I will manage to get, I have six grandchildren. I would like to get um, six journaling Bibles completed um, so that each of them could could have one eventually someday. And um, and the journaling is also, it's very meaningful to to me, I, I mean, I'm still listening for God to speak to me, even though it's art journaling. It's it's different from the notes that I have in my in my study Bible, um, but it's still God speaking to me through His through His Word, um, and so um, there's real joy in in creating that and interacting with the Lord in that in that time of just quiet reflection. I like how you have both. You have your study Bible that has all your notes. And then the art journaling is just a different expression. Um, how we, you know, we could sh share God's word and you're able to create these beautiful pictures that just highlight what God spoke to you today. And I love how you did that. And I have do kind of the legacy thing. I started, I'm on my third year. Um, so I thought I would love to do a Bible for each of my kids. And so I spent a year. Um, I already gave Corey his and Leslie hers. And as I'm reading through the Bible, I wrote, write notes and then um, write prayers for them and prayers for their family. Um, and so I have 10 kids. So I'm hoping to get through all of them and maybe then start moving on to grandkids. But it is so meaningful um, just to spend that time in God's word. I know that someday after you're gone, that's, that that our descendants will have these words. And it's really cool because I didn't know my biological dad growing up. And I met him when I was 30. Well, I was 28 when I found out about him. And uh, I was in my 30s when I realized I had a grandpa because him and my dad were estranged um, and he had been a pastor and I was able to meet him a couple times. And so he was able to give me some of his sermons. He gave me a couple of his Bibles. And so it's so neat to have that legacy. And I'm, I love how you were able to put that um, in these novels and show that, you know, even after we're gone, our words and our prayers and God's word and the meaning to us can impact the generations. Yeah, it's, you know, par um, our prayers carry down through generations. We can bless the generations to come. I love knowing that you're doing these Bible for your kids where you're praying in them for certain situations. I think that's such a wonderful, um, wonderful thing to do. And, um, and 
sometimes we pray things for our children and our grandchildren that don't necessarily make sense to us at the time. Uh, it's words that the Spirit gives to us. And, and the day may come 20, 30 years from now when they're reading a prayer and they realize my mom or my grandma prayed for this for me and I'm seeing God working in my life right now in answer to that prayer. Yeah. And I, I just love how, um, you, you know, the words of God don't go void. And then our prayers for our descendants are so important in my book, um, prayers that change history. One of my favorite stories is Corey Tim Boone. And you mentioned the hiding place. Well, one of the cool things that I know when I started researching, I was just going to talk about just a prayer of forgiveness and how that impacts us. But, um, actually in 18, I think it was 44, um, her great, her grandfather started a prayer group on Sunday nights praying for the Jewish people. And so every Sunday night, friends and family would get together and start praying for the Jewish people. This is a hundred years before world war II. Wow. And wow. so they would gather and they would pray And that prayer group continued. So it was her grandfather. Then it was her father and her and her siblings. And then her nieces and nephews, Every Sunday night, they would gather together and pray for Israel and pray for the Jewish people. So, of course, when the Jews start getting rounded up, I mean, there's a, almost 100 years of prayers that had been going. So, of course, you're going to, you know, they're going to hide the Jews. They're going to have courage there. And that grandfather, when he first got that notion to start that prayer group, he had no idea that 100 years later, his granddaughter you know, would be caught up in this, that family members would die in concentration camps and be imprisoned for the Jewish people. But all those prayers um, impacted Corey and then her ministry afterwards, just traveling and speaking around the world. And that was like, that's my favorite story in, in prayers that changed surgery, but just goes to show, I mean, God's impact. And even I mentioned my grandfather um, that I didn't know being a pastor and, and we got the family tree and his father was a pastor and his grandfather was a pastor and then there's missionaries and I grew up in a non-Christian home. I'm in my biological dad's not walking with God, but you know, here I am among all these non-Christians on both sides of the family. And I like, that's so cool that I really feel that their prayers for generations um, here, I'm doing what I'm doing because they prayed over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I should say this is speaking of prayers. My mother prayed me into the kingdom um, I should say that because um, my mom was actually 61 when she was born again. Now, she had always been in church, and she had always been seeking God. And um, if she were living, she would be the one who would have to tell you what what she felt kept her from actually hearing um God and answering before that time. Um, but nonetheless, she was saved at 61. Well, I was in my um, almost mid-20s, not quite, and I was a young mother, and I knew everything. And <laughs> I didn't want to hear what had happened to her. I thought church was fine for old women and little children, so I would send my daughters you know, with my mom to church but it wasn't for me. And I didn't allow my mom to tell me the story during that time. And so she was silenced. And so she prayed Catherine Marshall's Prayer of Relinquishment that's in Catherine Marshall's book. Um, oh, dear, I'm sorry. I'm having another 
<laughs> mind blank. So um, every commercial book is worth reading. So just read them all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it's prayers that change. Now I'm not coming up with the title, but anyway, it is a Catherine Marshall book of prayers, and it was her prayer of relinquishment. And my mom prayed that for me and my brother, um, just about every single day. And 13 months after she began. I was saved without my mother ever being able to speak a single word to me. And um, one of the things that happened were these Christian books that I mentioned already falling into my hands. Uh, Another was that I started, it was like I was tripping over Christians. They were sort of like everywhere all of a sudden, uh, including my six-year-old daughter's um, piano teacher, who normally didn't accept students that young because their hands don't span the entire scale of keys. But he did, um, quote unquote, just happen to decide to accept her as a student. And so I was in their home and next to me was this bookshelf full of Christian books. And, And so never, 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 never stop praying for your loved ones because believe me, I am living proof that God answers those prayers. Yeah. And you look back now how he was just able to use prayers, use books, use his word to reach you. And now he's using your prayers, your books, his word to reach others through you. And I think that's the most amazing thing about, you know, being a a novelist is, you know, sometimes people won't pick up the Bible and they won't go to church, but just like with the hiding place, which is not a, fictional novel, but it's novelized, um, people may pick up a book and get wrapped up in the story and learn about Christ. And I think that's one an amazing thing about being novelist. Um, and your stories have so much redemption in them that, that people, and I, we will be um, in heaven someday. And I think it'll be fun to see all the lives that have been impacted uh, by these stories. It, it will be. I, I think about that. I do know that there have been people who have accepted Christ because because of my fiction. Unlike you, I've never written any nonfiction, so it's always via a, a novel. Um, but I I have known that there are some, and so yes, it's going to be amazing. But even at, at book signing sometimes, um, one of the things that I have learned is that, you know, just like God spoke through a donkey in the Bible, uh, sometimes my books are the donkey because um, I will have a reader come up and say to me, I just loved when this happened in your book. And I have this sort of blank stare on my face because to me, that was never my intention. That was not what I was writing. And so I have seen that God takes what we offer him and then he uses it the way he needs to use it. And it may not be exactly what we were saying at all. Wait, I didn't really plot that in, but I'm glad you got that out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, it just shows me that that God, God just takes what we offer him. All we have to do is be willing to to give him our best, and then he will take it and do what he wishes with it. Hmm, I love that so much. So we're about to wrap up, Robin, but I know that there's people out there listening and maybe there's a step of faith that they have to take. You know, you, we've talked about your steps of faith of from going from the secular uh, mark writing market to Christian, your steps of 
face for even relinquishing your husband um, and getting a divorce and then the steps of faith of renewing your marriage and um, getting married again. I mean, there's just been so many um, times in your life where you just have to trust that God has it. So do you have something that you can share? Maybe someone that they have a big question mark in the road of ahead of them. What would you say to that person? Oh, that's a hard question, but I guess I would just answer with, um, do you believe God is in control or not? Uh, do you believe God loves you or not? Do you believe he can? Is he really God? Is he really able to do anything? The Bible tells us that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we know that on this earth, actually, there are a lot of people in a lot of circumstances that are against us, but that isn't really what that verse is saying. It really is, God is for you. God is for you. And if you trust him, if you will put yourself in his care, he will walk you through. Um, There were times in an alcoholic marriage that I wondered why I would hear about people who uh, came to Christ and God instantly cured them of uh, alcoholism that they never had to do any struggling. And I questioned God about this. And one time he answered me very, very clearly that, yes, there are miracles, but the reason they're called miracles is because they don't happen very often. They're miracles. The rest of the time, Jesus says, be yoked with me and we'll walk through this together. So yoke yourself to Jesus and you and he can walk through whatever it is you're facing together. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that so much. And um, you mentioned the last book that was released is You're Going to Love Me. And then what was the name of the one that's going to be releasing um, that has the Legacy Bible in it? Uh, Who I Am With You. Okay. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm excited about being able to see you and hug you in a couple months and our times together. Um, but for those who are interested in you and your books and seeing your Bible journals and all the things, um, where can people find you online? Okay. The, the main place to find me first is at my website at robinleehatcher.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-L-E-E hatcher.com. And from there, you can find me on a number of different social medias like Instagram and Facebook and, and Twitter. But on my website, you can find out about my books, you can find my personal story, you can find photos of my dog and, and my Bible art journaling. And, um, and so there's, there's lots of, of information that you can find on my website. Yeah, we so didn't even mention your begin. dog yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a one-year-old puppy, Boo Bear. So and, uh, adorable with the biggest ears ever. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's sort of in the doghouse um, in reality right now because uh, she's a year old and we paid the money to put in a dog door. And since putting in the dog door, she has decided that's a pain in the neck to have to go outside. So we're having accidents in the house that oh, we thought no. we were over. And uh, so, so, but we love her to death. So it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll get through this too. <laughs> Yeah. So fun. Well, Robin, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for just letting God work in you and then putting all the good stuff into the novels you write. Um, You're just a blessing to me. 
Thanks so much, Trisha. It was great to be here with you. And I'll be looking forward to hugging your neck in a couple months. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Wow. I just love that interview with Robin so much. I just love how transparent she was, how open she was, and how she was always pointing to God for what he has done in her life. Now, one of the hardest decisions we can ever make is to put our lives into God's hands. I love how Robin has truly done that with her life. I also love how she writes amazing stories of truth, hope, and heavenly love. You can find out more about Robin at robinleehatcher.com. Also, if you love fiction and haven't read her stories before, you are in for a treat. I just can't wait. You gotta let me know if you pick one of those up. Now today's Walk It Out scripture is Psalm 78-2-4. And in the NIV version it says, I will open my mouth of the parable. I will utter things, things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. Now, has God transformed your life like he has Robin's or like mine? If so, friend, it's time to tell your story. You may not tell your story in novels or in podcasts, although you might. You never know. But maybe you have a friend or a neighbor or a coworker who needs to hear what God has done in your life. Their lives can be forever changed because of your story. And so now here is a prayer for us. Lord, so many times we are ashamed of the lives that we used to live. We have made wrong choices. There are things we regret. Or sometimes the wrong choices have been things that have been done to us and they're things that just hurt really deep, Lord. And we feel stuck. We don't know how to move on. We don't know how to forgive. We don't know how to turn those things over to you in your hands. But I pray today, Lord, that you will redeem those areas of our lives. I pray that you'll rewrite our stories in a way that will bring life and hope and truth to the deepest part of ourselves and also to others, Lord, who are watching and who are we are sharing what you're doing um, with. And maybe they will see an evidence of what you can do with us ordinary broken people. Now, Lord, I especially pray for those who are having marriage struggles like Robin had and just don't have any hope. I pray that you will speak to the hearts of my hurting friends, and I pray that they will know from the deepest part of their hearts that, Jesus, you are our true hope, even in seemingly hopeless situations. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and for your beautiful eternal stories that you are writing on our hearts, and I just thank you for every listener who is listening today, that you'll just put a special blessing on them. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, friend, thank you for tuning in to Walk It Out today. As always, you can find more information about me on my website, which is just trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. And know you can find me on any social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under Trisha Goyer. Finally, friends, I'd really appreciate it again if you tell your friends about this podcast and encourage them to listen. As you know, this podcast is sponsored by my book, Walk It Out, which is published by David C. Cook. David C. Cook is a nonprofit publisher spreading God's word in over 100 countries. So thank you for tuning in, and I pray that your week will be blessed. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship. 
used with permission from Integrity Music. <laughs>